Now, Nehemiah, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4 as we continue on. This is uh, our fifth week of Nehemiah, and if you uh, have not been with us previously, um, you can catch the previous ones on Facebook. They're still there, and by the end of this month, our new website will be up and running, and we will have a video archive of all of the messages uh, that we have done, not just in Nehemiah, but since I think John said it's 18 or 19 so it doesn't really seem like I've been here that long, but apparently uh, that's how it's worked. So uh, you keep preaching every week. It's like signposts on a highway. Ready or not, here they come. And so uh, this week we're going to do, uh, we're going we're to start talking about uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. And the question that we have this week, uh, what is the real work being done? What is the real work being done? You know, so much of life is under the surface. Now, I mentioned those trees that fell in my, my yard, and you could easily chalk it up to um, you could chalk it up to rain, you could chalk it up to wind, you could chalk it up to all sorts of things. But that one that fell this week, I went over to get down to the trunk, because I was going to get down to the trunk, it's covered in all these vines and all that stuff. I was going to cut it away, and then I was going to cut the trunk so I could get it into the woods. And as I went there, I, uh, I looked at it, and I, it didn't look right, so I kicked it, and it just disintegrated. On the inside of this trunk, it was filled with termites. So the wind and the rain didn't help it. But it's not really what took it down. What really took it down was all these termites inside of it. And I don't, I mean, I didn't tell Bennett about it because Bennett loves bugs. I am not a fan of bugs. But oftentimes in our lives, there's something going on beneath the surface that we don't even know about, that we've never even seen. And that's really uh, the question that we're talking about today. What's the real work being done? And today, as we, when we close, uh, I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond to the real work that's being done. And so I pray this morning that we would continue to be sensitive to what God is doing. And that we would listen with spiritual ears and hear what he's saying. Let's pray for this before we look at the word of God this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're faithful. And I pray this morning that you would speak to your people through your Holy Spirit. And that we would be obedient to respond. And that we would have ears to hear that which you are saying. Father, we give you thanks because we know you are always talking. Let us learn to listen to your voice. Let us learn to listen to what you are saying. You know, and, I'm sorry, in Jesus' name, amen. I got, I, I'm just so excited to talk. I forgot to say amen when I'm praying. Who forgets to say amen when they're praying? That's crazy. Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, as I said last week, verses 1, 2, and 3 are actually, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, part of chapter 3. But let's, let's paint the picture. Let's paint the picture of where we're at. Last week, we covered all of the work that was being done, where the, the sections of the wall had been rebuilt. And in this section, in Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, the, the, those that are opposed to the work have started to realize that even though they're against it, they've done nothing to stop it. And Nehemiah has continued to work. And in verse chapter 4, verse 1, when Sambalot heard they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what, will those, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish it in a day? Can they bring some stones back to life 
from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are. Tobiah the Ammonite, was who was at his side, says, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it could break down their wall of stone. Now we know from Nehemiah chapter 2 that these same people, they tried to mock and ridicule and stop the work that Nehemiah was called to do, even before it began. And even though there was opposition from the very beginning, the opposition did not stop the work. And as the work moves forward, oftentimes the opposition increases. And this is what happened here. Sambalot increases the opposition. He's standing in front of an army and says, what are the Jews doing? Did it stop Nehemiah? No, it didn't stop Nehemiah. Uh, we actually, I want to I see what Nehemiah did here in uh, verse 4. Here's what he did. This is what I love about Nehemiah. And this is what I really believe for our own lives. We must respond with prayer. Here's what Nehemiah says. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as a plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Here's the thing. In the face of opposition to the work that is happening in our lives, we cannot despair. We cannot lose work. We do not despair in the face of opposition. And this is part of the reason why the question is, what's the work that's really going on? What work is really being done? It's because oftentimes the work that's happening in our lives, people don't understand it from the outside. And they don't support it. Because when you start making changes, you start making other people uncomfortable. Do you know why that happens? Do you know why that happens? Because they start to feel guilt for the things in their own lives that they know need to change. They start to feel, as somebody starts turning towards Christ, oftentimes the greatest opponents are the, their friends who should be celebrating the change, but what do they say? They say, what are you doing going to church? What are you doing turning to Christ? What are you doing? Because they feel a guilt and conviction. Sometimes our worst enemies can be our closest friends because they don't understand the real work that God is doing in us. I have a friend, a very good friend of mine, that uh, he found out recently that his wife uh, was being unfaithful to him. And his friends all told him the same thing. Leave her. Leave her. You don't have any reason to stay with her. Leave her. You don't deserve this. You haven't been perfect, but you don't deserve this. It, 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 it happened for months like this. Leave her. And I talked to him, and he says, but Spencer, I love her. And I just want to be together. I want God to do something in our lives. That's not what his friends were telling him. And from a biblical standpoint, we understand adultery, one of those uh, issues that we have find freedom in for uh, dissolving a marriage. But he didn't want to do that. And then Heather came across an article online about a well-known person that um, has a ministry specifically for marriage who was going through a similar situation. And this person shunned the advice of their friends, of those that said, leave that person that's being unfaithful. 
They prayed. They gave opportunity. And it's like Jeanette said, there's always opportunity for redemption if the other person wants to do the work, right? Now, for this well-known Christian author, uh, their marriage unfortunately ended in divorce because their spouse did not desire to change. For my friend, after months of uncertainty, out of the clear blue last week, week and a half ago, their spouse came home broke off the relationship with the other individual and said, I want to stay together. I want our marriage to be different. Now, if he had said from the beginning, get out, his friends would have said, good for you, man. Kick her out. But he knew God wanted to do something different. And if we give opportunity, the real work that God is doing can take root. And oftentimes, those that don't understand what God is doing, they're not actually helping you. And in the face of opposition to the real work that's going on in our lives, in our church, and in our world, we cannot despair in those moments. What do we have to do? We have to turn to God. That's what Nehemiah did. Actually, John 16.33 is a great verse of encouragement. You can turn there if you want, or I can just read it to you. Here's what John 16.33 says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Now, some people stop right there, and they say, in this world you're going to have trouble. And they say, okay, well, Jesus said I was going to have trouble, so what should I expect? I'm going to have trouble. But here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Nobody promises you a simple life. Nobody promises you an easy life. In this world you will have trouble, but Jesus is at work in front of you. He is doing work for you that others may not see. So that's why in the face of opposition, we do not despair because we can have peace. I have told you these things so that in me, you can have peace. The work that Jesus is doing in us, oftentimes other people don't recognize it. They don't see it. They tell us to quit. They tell us to give up. They tell us to turn away. They tell us to quit trying to be different. And if my friend had taken the advice of his friends, guess what? The opportunity for his marriage would have been lost. If both people are willing and we're allowed to, we're willing to let Jesus do work in us and through us that other people can't see. We don't have to despair when opposition tells us give up. Nehemiah knew they were going to come against him. Nehemiah knew they were going to come against him. Here's what we have to do. We have to trust God to do his part. Trust God to do his part. And here's what Nehemiah said. Nehemiah said in verse 6, he says, So we rebuilt the wall till it reached, uh, till all of it reached the height, half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Here's the, here's the, the principle that we can understand. When we do our part... And let God do his part, the work moves forward. 
When we are faithful and obedient to respond to that which God is doing, and we continue to move forward and work as he has called us to work, he will support us, and the work that he is doing will not stop just because somebody tells you to quit. If we don't stop allowing God to shape us, mold us, if we refuse to quit, guess what? Just because somebody tells us we should give up, it doesn't mean the work stops. Sambalot was threatening to attack them. And they could have cowered in fear. But they had a vision that came from God, didn't they? They had a vision that came from God. And they said, we're not going to stop. Actually says, for the people worked with all their heart. Worked with all their heart. The work went forward. But they did run into trouble. Jumping down to verse 10. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. You know, the reality is that God is doing a work in all of us. He's doing a work in all of us. But how often do we hang on to the junk of the past? They couldn't finish building the wall. Why? There was too much rubble. For God to complete the work in us, we have have to faithfully trust him to do the work. But the rubble has to be cleared out. The rubble has to be cleared out. We have to make space for new by getting rid of the old and broken. The rubble has to be cleared. The enemies were attacking. They were ready to come. And the the, the Israelites had run into a problem because nobody had bothered to clear the old junk. God's doing a work in our lives. God's doing a work in you. God's doing a work in me. And if I hang on to the things of the past that aren't helping me, that aren't of God, What happens? It prevents God from building something new in me. Second Peter, first Peter chapter one, you don't have to turn there, I'll I'll share it with you. One of the one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I just want to read a few few verses here. Because here's the thing God is doing a work. In Nehemiah chapter 4, they were literally building a wall. We're not literally building a wall. But God is still doing a work in you. And if you remember what I said last week, the work is always spiritual first. God wants to do a work in us before he does a work through us. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice. Even in the face of opposition, we continue to move forward. 
In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have suffered all kinds of trials. These have come in, these have come so that the proven gener- genuineness of your faith and greater worth of gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God is doing a work in you. In the face of opposition, in the face of trials and struggles and difficult times, God is still doing a work in you. He's working in you for the purpose of his glory so that you can be built up to the place where he has called you to be. And so what does he say in verse 13? It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope and grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Jumping to chapter 2, verse 1, it says, or chapter verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him, you also, how appropriate as we talk about Nehemiah, you also are like living stones and are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you were not, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The rubble must be cleaned out, and the the work that God is doing is inside of you. The God work is doing is inside of you, and the enemy will increase the attack as you are being purified. As you are being refined by God, the enemy will increase the attack. If you look at that, oh, if you look at that, man, Sambalot, what's he start doing? He's getting an army. He's going to come after them in full force. He started just by making fun of them. Mocking them. He tried to get the king to take away the authority and the right to do it. And now he's talking about an army. It's a lot like what the devil does to us. First Peter. First Peter. Chapter 5, verse 8. As God begins a work inside of you, do you know your friends might not realize what it is? But you know who the first one to perk up is? Our enemy. Our enemy. And our enemy is not the world. Our enemy is not the people around us that don't know Jesus. That's not our enemy. There are people that are lost and dying and going to hell. There are those that do not believe about Jesus Christ as the Savior of this world. They are not our enemy. They are lost. They have been spiritually deceived. They are not our enemy. They are our missions field. They are the ones we are to reach out to. No, our enemy is talked about here in chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Our enemy is not the world. Our enemy is not those that don't know Jesus. Our enemies are not those that have different agendas than God. Our enemy is a spiritual enemy. It is the devil who has deceived this world. Those that do not know Jesus, they are our friends who have not yet been welcomed into the kingdom of God. They are the ones we are to be working for. They are the reasons we are being built up. They are the ones we are called to reach. We do not look at them as enemies. Our enemy is spiritual. And here's what we must do when our enemy rises up to attack us. We must commit to the work. And when we commit to the work, we must remain vigilant. Verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armors. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the walls. Those who carried material did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpets, trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. If we are faithful to do the work God has called us to do, he will be faithful to do the work he is supposed to do. What did Nehemiah do when the opposition rose up? He gave it back to God. He gave it back to God. And here's, here's how he continued out. It says, so we continued the work with half the man holding the spear from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had a weapon even when, his, even when he went for water. Our God will fight for us, we must commit with our whole heart. That's what they said in verse 6. Why did the work go forward? For the people worked with all their heart. We don't often understand the work that God's doing. He's shaping us. He's molding us. Whether you've never met Jesus before, or you've known him your whole life. He's doing a work inside of you. And this morning, you may have come expecting one thing, and you're finding something else. Here's the beautiful thing about our Savior. Here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He's doing a work inside of you. And you might say, I've I've never asked Jesus into my heart. This past week, I had the opportunity to go to a a Bible study, well, it was a a dinner, and to meet a number of people. And at this dinner, many of our, uh, there there was about 25 people there. 
um, seniors, many of our, our seniors, shared their testimony. It was powerful. It's really powerful. Many of you know Pastor and, and uh, Kay Runge. Pastor Runge shared, he took his first church when he was 17. Pastor Runge is going to be 90 this year. 83 years ago, or 73 years ago. 73 years ago. People shared about growing up in families that were Buddhist, being born in a concentration camp, being just faced with great opposition as they went through life. They went through life that was hard. But here was the beautiful thing. Here was the beautiful thing. There were some that didn't know Jesus that were at that meeting. They were just friends in the community. And at the end of the night, they said to somebody, I don't know what these people have, but I want it. The work that God is doing inside of us, other people may not understand. They might even oppose it like Sambalot opposed the work Nehemiah was doing. But in the face of opposition, we can't stop what God has started. We can't stop what God has called us to do. Maybe you, you've known Jesus for a long time. There's a call this morning. He's doing a deeper work in you. He wants you to move forward. The opposition might be those things that we've held on to in the past. In order to rebuild the wall, what do we have to do? We have to get rid of the rubble. Get rid of the brokenness. Get rid of the past disappointments, the past hurts. Those things that we've held on to that stop us from moving forward into that which God has called us to. But on the other side of it, you may have never heard, as we read about in 1 Peter, that you're a royal priesthood, that you're a chosen people, that the work God is doing in you might just be at the very beginning of your life in Christ. You may have never been given the opportunity, you may have never responded to that call, but here is the truth this morning. Jesus has given all of us an inheritance. He wants us all to build a spiritual home for him. That's what he's doing. You're a living stone. That he's building a spiritual home. Here's what Revelation says. The book of Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. 